Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome to Adventure Super Train, episode 121. Forgive me um, during the little linking moments of this episode if you hear... Can you hear that? I've got Klaus Schultz's Cyborg, side four, playing in the background. I've got it playing in the um, in another room just because I was in the mood. So if you hear it, awesome. If you don't, awesome. That's great too. But uh, let me tell you what's going on in this episode of Adventure Super Train. One, twenty-one, right? Um, what's happening in this one? We are discussing. Oh, oh, by the way, this is a short-lived TV show podcast. We we cover. Uh, um, shortly TV shows have never got enough love. One episode at a time. Eventually we will cover Super Train. In this one we are covering Search, episode 22. The penultimate episode. The last one with Lockwood. And we're discussing episode 6 of Battlestar Galactica. And episode 13, I think, of Kolchak, the Night Stalker. And we got Mitchell, Christopher, Tim S. Turner joining me for these so let's dive right in right now we are going to um uh listen a little bit of music from search and then mitchell and i will be on the side discussing suffer my child the penultimate episode of the show listen to this Suffer My Child, episode 22 of Search. Directed by Russ Mayberry. Russ is back. Written by Norman Hudis. March 28th, 1973, the last Lockwood episode. Based on this one, a very rich gal uh, is celebrating her 21st birthday. I remember when I celebrated my 21st birthday, nobody cared. But this rich gal is has a huge birthday party going on, and everyone's excited about it, and she gets kidnapped. So Lockwood is called in to investigate. I'm not going to share any more with you about what's going on. Because frankly, if you haven't watched the episode, it's none of your business. Wouldn't that be great? If instead of like, spoilers, someone just said, if you haven't watched it, this ain't your business. You ain't going any further, father. Any farther, further. Anything further, father? So you're going to stop here. And Mitchell and I will talk all over this episode. This is the lack, last, lack, lack, lost word. Last Lockwood episode. So, we'll see how this goes, everyone. Uh, let me give you a little burst of something. We'll be on the other side. Can you hear Klaus Schultz? I can. I don't know if you can. Let's do this. Suffer my child. This is the penultimate episode of the show. And the last Lockwood as we said last time, there's something kind of interesting about the show in that there is a final episode, the next one, but the three main guys get the three last episodes. So last one was Bianco's final episode. This is Lockwood's. The next one is Grover's. So, um, and uh, th this is, um, I, I guess, got four thoughts in my head at once. 
And I'm going to let them all pass and introduce Mitchell Hadley. Mitchell, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Dan? I'm doing okay. You know how that happens. Like I'm, I'm going and I have a train of thought, and then all of a sudden, like four trains oh, yeah. collide in your yes. mind, mm-hmm. and you're like, you can either pause and just let them go, or <laughs> just try to rock it from there. I'm just going to ask you, what did you think of the last lock? And here's the thing: how, how long has it been? Five episodes. Since, I mean, yeah, yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, five or six episodes? Since yeah, they sk- cause they skipped one in the rotation there. Mm-hmm. Well, what's they interesting did. What's interesting about it is that this is being shown completely out of order since it's back in the old control room. Yes, or it's what we think it is in the old control room is still there. Yes. And because this guy is so um, uh, important, so rich, he got... He got the control room. Well, he's the Wizard of Wall Street. Let's he face. is. Yep. And he, he refers to himself by his own name over and over again, which I think is always classy. Dan Budnick does that sometimes. <laughs> so, does, so, so does Mitchell Hadley. <laughs> of course. So I, I apologize. I cut you off there. What, what did you think of the episode? <laughs> well, I, 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 um, I thought it was, a, it, it was a very intriguing episode. There are parts of it. The and I don't know how far we'll go in in delineating the the fake story and the real story, but parts of it read like an episode of Mannix. It's precisely the kind of a case that Joe Mannix oh, would find himself on, or or uh, any one of the detective shows of the era, because this the. Uh, Lockwood's job is to find a kidnapped victim. And uh, that seems on first blush to be a rather pedestrian job for search. Of course, the fact that the fact that the victim's father is such a prominent and important man explains why it's been elevated to this level. But um, there are there are again parts of it that 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 seem to be just a routine private eye story, even to the point where Lockwood starts telling uh, his his clients that he's basically going to do things his way. Yes. And if you don't if you don't like it, that's you know tough beans. But the, <laughs> but uh, this is I apologize for Mitchell's language. He gets. <laughs> He gets. He loves classic TV, and sometimes he gets out of hand. Hey, bite me! You know? Oh, now he went all the way up to The Simpsons, I yeah. think, for that. Wow, we went to the '90s. Um, and uh, then there's uh, a point where he says, "You know, I think I've almost got this figured out." And uh, Mel Ferrar, who plays the Wizard of Wall Street, says. Well, are you going to share it with me? He said, no, I'm not going to share it until I'm absolutely certain that I've got all the pieces. And, of course, how frustrating is this? But like Joe Mannix or like any of um, any of the heroes of that particular era, he's going to do this case his way. He's going to see it through to the end. Then, of course, he gets thrown a real curveball and uh, kind of has to start all over from square one. And, you know, he's dealing with really slimy Dabney Coleman. Uh, oh, yeah. 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 
whoever, whoever did his look for this one probably <laughs> probably had to answer to the the Nuremberg <laughs> War Trials or something. But, <laughs> yes, yes. But he he uh, he looks bad. But any but yeah. but appropriate at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, these these um, sidekicks of the uh, the wizard. Uh, seem to have something to hide or they seem to resent uh, Lockwood being there and then you have a scene where uh, it sounds like there's a bomb maybe under Lockwood's car and he goes under there while everybody else is standing way back and I think it's providing his creds to these people that hey you know this guy knows what he's doing but he is uh, strikes me as a man who's having a bit of trouble warming to the clients that he is supposed to be working for. And that yeah. that's part of what, what makes it interesting, that and his ability to empathize with the kidnapped victim. Yes. Yes. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Mm. Nope. <laughs> Just refreshing myself here. <laughs> the... Um... Uh, I, I think it's, it's funny. It's been so long since I saw a Lockwood episode that I really enjoyed this episode. It, it was very much like, like compared to the previous one, it's like, oh, this is kind of the way search was at the beginning. Yes. This is, this is kind of the way it was back then. And if you treat it as chronological and not out, shown out of order, um, it's it's kind of fun because this is a different type of case that they get. This very much is a detective type of case. I mean, it has two moments in it that to me are super detective things, which is right near the end, there's a moment where um, Lockwood is talking to Cam and the gang in the big room, and he says something along the lines of, all right, you know, I've almost got this all figured out. I need the answer to four questions. Yeah. And he asked for, and it's like, when was the last time, how many kidnap attempts were reported on the daughter? Um, when did the, the grandfather die? I'm going to forget one. When did one the grandfather was, die? How, um, was something to the essence of, uh, what's the longest time that the father and the daughter yes, have been, been away? Yep. And then the fourth one is, when was the last time the company lost money? Mm-hmm. And then that is followed a few scenes later by a and assemble everyone in the drawing room and talk to them scene, which is very, very mystery like, very poro sort of thing. And uh, but then but then that of course is followed by a scene where he beats up a bunch of guys in a warehouse, which isn't as poro ish. <laughs> but uh, but it do, but it does very much have the, have the sort of detective feel. And and like like you said, it has it has a nice because um, actually the sort of if if you if you think about the what happens to the daughter the first time sort of it's all sort of predicated on him she's playing tennis with her friend in this tennis court that has these huge fences uh her friend accidentally knocks the ball over the fence she runs out to get the ball and disappears and you sort of think when you watch that it must have something to do with the friend yep because she's the one who hit the ball that bad to knock it out of there but it may or may not and then you think oh maybe the friend had something uh, to do with it in a different manner but it may or may not and 
it's 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 really it's it's I think I mean when you get to the end of it you're not going to give it an Edgar Allan Poe award or anything like that you're not going to go yeah you know, I'm thinking of was it, I think the first episode of Harry O won like the Edgar award for best TV mystery drama and I forget the name of the episode but it's the one with Julie Summers S O M A R S yep. Uh-huh. And and it's one where she goes to Harry and says her brother was is in the navy and he's gone missing and she asks uh, Harry to find her brother and there's all kinds of strange things going on and it's a beautiful episode. Uh, this isn't going to win that award because when you get to the end of it you're sort of like okay yeah okay they did that and they did that all right but they do it very nicely yes. and very smoothly and Lockwood. It was funny. I was I forget with Lockwood that like my my wife kept walking by as I was watching this episode, and she walked by at one point where he was getting in a fight with a guy who was kind of a bit bigger than him, and she and she watched the fight. She was like, "Oh, that's pretty good." I said, "The thing about Lockwood, and we've said this at the very beginning, is that when Lockwood punches someone, they stay down. Yes, he he when he punches, he punches." And, and and Bianco does that somewhat too. Grover not so much, but um, but but when, like when Lockwood doesn't punch a lot, but when he punches, you go down. You you do what he wants yep. you to do, which, <laughs> which is drop. And, and 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 I forgot that. I forgot that I I enjoyed Lockwood. I miss Lockwood. And this isn't this isn't as like the last as if you, if you heard us talk about ends of the earth till the ends of the earth you know that we thought that episode I, I thought that episode was incredibly intriguing I could have based a movie off it this is a fun detective mystery thing where the guy is helped out by a bunch of people sitting at computers in a room um, and there is more probe stuff in this than in like the pre- couple of the previous ones just yeah. because the whole gang is there. That was something I forgot to mention when I was talking about the the Mannix comparison and everything at the beginning was how mm. how much fun it was to see the old style yes. probe headquarters yes. and to keep getting that input from the different people there, the telemetry readings and this and that and the other. And uh, it it reminded me of one of the things that attracted me the most to this series, that being the concept. And it reminded me of how much fun that was. But, yes. but at the same time, it also reminded me that even when the episodes didn't have that. They were carried along either by the strength of the story or by the strength of the characters. Yes, that's specifically our three heroes and Cam, who are who are so wonderfully done that yeah. they they can carry even when it's missing some of the things that makes search yes. search. But when that when all of the pieces are there together, that's when and, and my wife and I said this uh, at the end of this episode. You know, it would have been nice to see this series get another season. Yes, it, it really would. This this is this is one of those shows. You know, it's like it's like when I watched when we when my wife and I did Ellery Queen. I thought I would have loved another season. Oh of that. yeah, but that, fir- that first season is so good. I, I almost want to just hoard it and say, no, 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 no more, no more. I don't want to have a second season where half of it's good. And you, you know what I mean? Like where, where you end up watching like, okay, well, that first season is the best. And the second season has got 12 great episodes and the other 12 are just okay. Yeah. I, I but, but this one is, 
is a show that I mean, I think at its at its worst so far in the twenty two episodes, it's been it's still been good. I'm trying to think there was that one with the Eurasian family that I wasn't terribly thrilled on. But even that wasn't a bad one. No. That was that was just eh. It was it was fun. Well, and that, you, know, th- you know, that's something I make a point of uh, at, over when I'm when I'm writing about uh, TV is that fun is an undervalued concept. Yes. With TV, TV should be enjoyable. That's I actually wrote about that um, just recently. But it it's not a crime. It's not an insult. It's not a backhanded compliment to say that such and such was a fun show. Yes. It doesn't have yeah. to. It doesn't have to be Shakespeare. It doesn't have to be Twin Peaks. It doesn't have to be any of these different kinds of things. Now those can all be fun. Mm. Um, I I think watching Orson Welles doing Macbeth is fun, but mm. uh, but I think that. There is no crime in having a show that the the that people can say, you know, I really had fun watching that. Yes, yes, yes. And one the the thing I love about this with with Lockwood is that um, whoever it was who decided, hey, let's hold back an episode and show it later in the season with the original gang in in the room was. I don't want to say genius because that's being ridiculous, but I want to say was very, very smart. Yes. Because after the last few episodes, like the last one where, where there, there isn't as much probe control. St- I mean, especially like the one where Cam is uh, in the in the garage being tortured. There, There isn't as much probe control stuff. It's nice to get one. Where there's a ton of stuff, mm-hmm. and where you keep you keep going back to it, and like you said, you realize that you miss it, but you haven't disliked the show without it, and that is 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 like to me that means someone somewhere won in some way, even yeah. though the show's about to go off the other somewhere we won because I see, um, I, I like um a show I will cover on here one day, Gemini Man. The Invisible Man show with um, Ben Murphy. Yes. Mm-hmm. The TV movie, uh, which is Leslie Stevens, ah. is great. It's really nicely done. It, it does that thing where he has, there's it's an origin story, but they mix the origin story with the plot line about spies doing jerky stuff. So it's not like, say, The Man from Atlantis, first TV movie, where the first half is the origin, then the second half is Victor Buono being crazy yeah that's difficult to do well and i think you're right yes. when you can do it well that's great when you when you can mix the two when you when you can keep the the story of like the bad guys doing what they're doing propelling forward and you can then go back to the origin occurring um and it's that both are interesting um that that's when it really works and um and, but the thing with gemini man is that as you go along with gemini man and there were only 11 episodes. But by the time you get to like episode 7 or 8, what they did, and I'll save this for when I talk about it, but sort of the way they're doing the show changed. And for me, it becomes far less interesting. But there is like one episode right near the end that is like the way they used to do it at the beginning. And it's so refreshing. <laughs> uh, and you, you watch that and you go like, darn it, you guys didn't do it right. You you changed the format as the episodes went along, but you made it less interesting. Here they changed it slightly by being less reliant on the probe control, 
But then when they make it relying on probe control again, you realize I should think they did it right. I could wa- I could watch this either way with mm-hmm. probe with probe showing up every few minutes or with probe showing up every minute. Yeah, both would work. I think that we talked about this earlier in the series when when uh, this change was made with the introduction of the uh, smaller control room that I suppose you could say that this cast the uh, the leads in a more traditionally heroic uh, role in that they depend on their own wits more than yes. that and, and that you could have said that they were a little robotic except that the the actors infused them with such character that yes. it worked and yes. um i think that no matter what when you come to the last battle in this episode and i you know i turned to my wife and i said uh, i think lockwood has just about had enough <laughs> and and you you don't get that with a robot. You get something no. that's cool and yes. calm and collected. You don't get somebody who's saying, I'm a little tired of getting yeah. lied or pushed around or all these kinds of things and the final it well the well I, I won't we um uh, we 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 won't ruin the 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 story per se, but we will say uh, we will say just because I would like to and then we'll then we'll talk any final final bits about the episode um but um the 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 final sort of fight scene is him basically rescuing the kidnapped heiress i won't say she's in a warehouse i won't say who has her in the warehouse but um it it just um he he lockwood creeps in i mean it's like i don't know how high the, it, it's, it's it's almost like a hanger more yeah. like actually but it's, it's, it's a, maybe it is is it a hanger it's i don't know what it is it's, you guys know what i mean yeah. yes exactly you know what i mean it's it's like like four stories high and you know lots of like um uh girdery type things up at the top with all the lights and and lots of walkways and things you you guys know exactly what I'm, i mean um, and but it's just great because it's like it begins with him like creeping in a window like right up at the top like as high as you can go creeping a little bit along a little girder and like like swinging down onto a walkway and it's funny because he's doing this and then it cuts to the the um the the daughter who's sitting in like in a, in a, a little uh, secured in like a little office room and she sees him on the walkway and he kind of gives her a hey don't shh, keep it keep it cool and then he gets into some great fights and there's a great there's there's a stunt where um they cut away from it a little too quick but he's on like he must be two two stories off the ground and he leaps down onto a guy uh-huh. and the camera is on the ground next to the guy he leaps on so the you you see him begin to leap then it cuts up and you see the guy jump down all the way hit the ground and and you could see sort of almost like the guy on the ground also a stunt man is kind of like bracing him when he hits the ground a bit but it's like that guy just that must have been two stories that guy jumped hit the ground and pushed the guy over and kept moving i thought that's a stunt yeah because because normally you would have a, have a bag there or you would cut away but this guy actually i mean it's definitely more than a story he jumps yeah because it's it's i mean he he just jumps and he kind of does the thing where he like swings his arms and he hits the ground and kind of falls into the guy's arms and knocks him over and then it cuts away uh, but it's one of those shots where the angle isn't quite as it is not a it's not a harold lloyd angle you know where you where you know when where you know what harold 
is hanging from that clock, that's the perfect angle. You see the street, you see everything, you're terrified. This is this is a stunt where I think we could have been pulled back a little bit. Um, but when you actually go back, watch it a second or third time, and that guy jumps some distance and and lands, <coughs> pardon me, right next to that guy. And it's like, wow, that's a stunt. Yes. That's nice. And he beats up that guy, beats up that other guy, saves the gal, and then you can see at the end when she's trying to get him to stay on her yacht so he can get involved in some sort of Catalina Caper type party. Not that they're getting into Caper, but that's sort of what, you know, if you've ever seen Catalina yes. Caper, they have the beach parties. It's a, it's, it almost is like a beach party on a rich kid's yacht sort of thing. Um, and you, you can really see when when she's talking to him that she's like, this this is like, it's either she's thinking, this is the dad I wanted, or I wouldn't mind getting a little closer to this guy mm-hmm. who's my dad's age. One of the two. I'm not going to pick <laughs> either one. But you realize that, like, Locke was the same age, more or less, as her dad, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And her her dad is kind of locked her in this house and is, is he's he's not doing anything um, unpleasant. No. But but he's keeping her in the house because he doesn't want to be kidnapped and, and she's a part of, as it were, the business. Um, but it's funny to have this other guy who's the same age as her dad crawling along on uh, like tightrope walking <laughs> on girders four stories off the ground leaping two stories onto a man with a gun beating the crap out of guys <laughs> just to rescue her what, would, what I'd be woman would not go her heart would be going pitter patter all the time <laughs> exactly I would be too I would be too I, 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 I would know. you know if like I was sitting there and Mitchell suddenly saw you up there doing that I'd be like yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'd be the one but, go. Ah! Ah! <laughs> but you know, this is the other thing about the Mannix tie-in too, and I don't want to belabor the point because I don't want it to make it sound like I'm either talking this episode down or anything else. But what what it is is that at the very end, Lockwood's able to reconcile everybody. Yes. He's able to not only solve the case, find the girl, bring the girl and the dad back together. Everybody lives happy Yacht ever party. after. Yup. Yeah. And that that is so manix like. You know, when you're you're hiring yeah. a private eye, not only to solve the mystery, but to act as a family counselor with no extra yes. charge. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I imagine, you know, that which reminded me of one other thing, and we probably shouldn't even go down this road, but this is the episode that got me to thinking. I wonder if when they pay the huge bill that they undoubtedly get from World Securities, if they ever pay the agent a tip. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, when I, I say this because we moved recently and it's not un, unusual to give your movers a tip. Yes. And I wondered, yeah, yeah. yeah, and I wondered if, you know, you're saying he, he's thinking, you know, then here, I'd, I'd like I'd like Lockwood to have an extra 10,000 because he yes. did above and beyond the call. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a nice thought? That would be a wonderful thought. I mean, that would be, and that would be so great too. If if you like, fi- finally, I'm getting two weeks of vacation that I never get, and I just got a ten thousand dollar tip yeah. in 1973 money. Oh my gosh, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm close to Jed Clampett rich. No, well, not quite, you know. But wow, this is fantastic. No, I love that thought. I love that thought that maybe like there's just a line, you know, if you want to tip your probe agent, yeah. you can. Mm-hmm. But it's not, you know, and some, you know, some jerk probably put one penny. 
at one time because they didn't like, you know, um, Bianca's attitude or something yeah, like that. and it ruined yeah. it for everybody. But, uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, and even the, the, the very ending where it's like he's being invited to have fun in this yacht, just hang out on this yacht. And, and Cam... And he's like, no, I shouldn't. And Cam is on the other end saying, no, you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And that's how the episode ends, you know. And it's um, and it, it has a bit of you know, sort of like the um, the detect or the um, you know, the sergeant or or whoever captain back in the office saying, get back here, yeah, you're old. Uh, what are you doing out there? Kind of thing. Except he can actually talk. But but the the joy of the end of this episode is it's sort of like you can see that Lockwood would like to, but he knows he shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Just doing the job, like, ma'am. Yeah, and Cam, exactly. And Cam is like, you, you, you would have a great time, and you know what? You'd be justified in, in uh, having a nice time there, but you, you shouldn't. Yeah. So come on back. And there's this kind of a loveliness to it, since this is like the last time we saw Bianco, he was he was basically going, as you mentioned, I won't say exactly what it is, but he's leaving Probe for apparently a sequel yeah. to the episode we just saw. Lockwood, however. Who, who I think is the older the, the older statesman mm-hmm. of the three of them, is like, oh yeah, let me head on back. Let me let me fill out the paperwork. I'll take a couple weeks, kind of thing. And it's kind of a sweet. It's kind of like you would expect Bianco, who was the cop, to be like, I'm going out and doing this. And you expect Lockwood, who's been doing this for ages and is the like I said the other statesman, to be like, oh, I'm glad that worked out okay. I'm glad everyone's all right. Let me let me get back to let me get back maybe have some fried chicken with Cam. I don't know I don't know what Cam eats. I, I thought they would get like something from KFC and just sit and watch, <laughs> you know, uh, surveillance videos or something for an hour just for fun. Hey. Maybe watch Mannix was yeah, Mannix. Yeah. yeah Mannix was still on yep. in seventy two seventy three. Yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, you know maybe, Honest, maybe they, they would say I, another network. I don't know the network. Yes, I, I would love it if it was just like you know what it's uh, you know Mannix and the uh, Cannon and uh, I don't know. Uh, Columbo, well, that would be a mystery, but we you know Max Cannon and something else are on tonight. Oh, the Snoop Sisters, you know, and then just the three, the two of them, maybe all four of them would sit, all three of the agents would sit, they'd have a nice evening watching 70s mystery cop shows or TV movies. There were plenty of great TV yeah, movies. Yeah, there were. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's, um, that is. I suddenly forgot the name of the episode, but it's a great, it's it's a great, uh, Suffer My Child, yeah. yes, um, uh, which is a little over dramatic for the episode, but uh, you get you get where it's coming from. Um, so do you have anything else on this one? There's only one thing that was really missing from this episode. For it to be the last episode with Lockwood, we needed Gloria Harding. Yes. That would have made everything complete. Wouldn't wouldn't that have been great if it had cut from him kind of there leaning against the yacht, kind of with a smile on his face as the daughter goes away, and then it cuts to Cam. And he said, "You can't, you, you got to get out of there. You got to go out of there." And then it cuts back to Cam, and then all of a sudden we realize he's on a boat, but a different boat, and suddenly Gloria shows up and <laughs> appears on the screen, and it ends with him just putting his arm around her, maybe giving us a little wink, and then it, it executive producer Leslie Stevens it ends. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you, that this second second episode in a row, you have just nailed the alternative ending here. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. But it's 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 again like when we when we'll talk about this. The the next episode is the final one, so we will talk about briefly about our our overall thoughts. 
Um, but it's like, you know, when we got to the end of Bourbon Street Beat, we loved those guys so much. Mm-hmm. And although by the time we got to the end of Bourbon Street Beat, they had been ravaged by W. Hermanos. Uh, <laughs> in a way that these guys luckily did not. And if the, uh, so that was, that was, that was, that was the weirdest thing. If you, if you all haven't heard us talk about Bourbon Street Beat, listen to us be so excited about a show and they get so confused about a show <laughs> in, in its last like eight, nine, ten episodes. I don't even know. I mean, a good chunk of that show was W. Hermanos yeah. um, t- touched. And some of those episodes were very good. They were. And some of them, like the one in the boys' reformatory or whatever it was, stank. Mm-hmm. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, anyway, <laughs> Mitchell, um, I think I'm all set with this one. Um, if you don't have anything else, where can we find you online? It's about TV.com, where I'm uh, typing about classic television, old yes. TV guides, uh, stars of yesteryear, and then some various psychobabble that I get into along the way. That's <laughs> all good stuff. It's all good stuff. Did you, did you recently, did, did, I, did you write something about Bob Hope recently? Yes. Yes, I did. Okay, yes. Uh, I the, was for, the, forgotten, the Forgotten Man. Uh, yes. Although that wasn't... That wasn't the theme of the TV Guide article because he was an American institution in 1965. Yes. Uh, definitely, yeah. But, yeah. but today, and, today... Yes. Eh, unfortunate. It's, it's tricky because it's tri- I, I think like you, I enjoy the road movies mm-hmm. very much. Um, and I enjoy the, the early... Like, I have, what, The Cat and the Canary and The Ghostbreakers on Blu-ray. You know, and I love those early hopes. But the tricky thing with hope is that... And this is this is for our hope cast. This is the the um, this is the uh, the the pilot the um, the backdoor pilot for our hope cast, but I think the thing with Bob is that if if you listen to like his radio shows from the forties, yep. he was the best at being right there at that moment. Oh, he was. They, he, yes, he would go to the army bases. He would send people there ahead of time to scope out the town, to scope out everything, to learn like, hey, you know, what's your what's your CO like? What you know, what is what is this like? What's that like? And so when he would do the his monologue, it would be all based in that moment. And at that moment that's why he was him and Fib McGee and Molly in the forties during World War Two were the biggest, the biggest. Because they were all they were in, in it to win it. Yep. Um, but whereas Fred McGee and Molly are still doing goofy things where closets are falling on them, Bob Hope is doing um, so, so topical. And a lot of his specials are like that, too. His TV specials, they're so topical yes. that you need a... You you need like a like a like a book next to you with notes, or or you need like you you know what would be great if someone released a bunch of his specials and they did something like where um, and I've seen this on things in the past where it would be like if if like he references something like a little icon will go on in the corner yes like pop up video something like yes that. and you 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 click on the icon and it says oh you know um, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think of a who who's the kid in the 70s who sang take life a little easier take life he was a little kid he was in jack-in-the-box uh, commercials i'm gonna i forgot his name darn it i have his album R- not rowdy roddy piper something Rod, Rodney R- Allen rippy Rodney yeah. Allen rippy <laughs> yes exactly or like mason reese yeah or something like that you know you get these you know and, and like you could click on it and then and it wouldn't be something that you could sell like to people who are waiting for you know the next Marvel, 
the Cinematic Universe movie to come out. But that would be something to do. You could take like a year's worth of, a couple years worth of Bob Hopes and sort of a, a digitally annotate them. Well, here's one so, for you. I, at the risk of going down another hole, we're already so far down, what's another minute? Yes. Uh, yes my yes. wife was watching an episode of Perry Mason, and she pointed yes. this out to me, and this would be a perfect example of what you're talking about. Um, one of the, one of the uh, people testifying in the trial in Perry Mason is Tommy Noonan, who was the former comedy partner of Peter Marshall who went on to host the Hollywood Squares. Now, before Tommy Noonan teamed up with Peter Marshall, he had another um, partner. And the other partner wound up marrying the movie star Joanne Drew, who just happens to be the sister of Peter Marshall. <laughs> Wouldn't there you go. Wouldn't you want to know that if you were that's, watching? <laughs> that's fantastic. That's uh, it's and I, I like I, I saw Bob Hope um, a bit of a Bob Hope Christmas special over this past year, and it was one that went to his home in uh, Toluca Lake. And um, I I um I've been to Toluca Lake many times. I his his home is completely covered in a huge like. 20 foot tall um, uh, plants um, I'm, what, I, I forget the word but it's, it's you know it's huge trees and plants and you can't you can barely see into it but the, the small gate to get to the driveway you can see into and when I watch this special uh, now I haven't been to look like in a few years but when I watch this special they pull into his house and you think it's just going to be a random house but I'm like oh that's the house that's the house on Toluca Lake. You can, you can. That's on a corner of Toluca. You can walk by and look in there. That's the house. Oh my gosh! That you know. And when they actually went in it, I think it was a studio, um, because you know the time I tried to get into the house, I spent the next thirty days in jail. But that was not. That's another story. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Or am I? No, but the um, but but that that's one of the things too. Is like, um, you know, you 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 could you could do do something like that where you could um. Uh, you know, you'd see that house and maybe maybe get a picture, like a Google Maps-style picture of the house, and be like, that's the actual house. That's where he lived. And and I, I love... Yeah, yeah, Bob Hope is one of those interesting guys who I, he, I always thought he was funny when I was a kid, but um, apart from the road movies and some of the early ones, I'm not... Um, I, I just don't... I just don't watch him as well. And that's because... I, I just because I guess it is it's a bit just too... It's so topical, you know. Yeah, it would be, so you, you know, when he's making a joke about, say, Wilbur Mills and the, ti and the title basin, and people are cracking up, and you really do need that little footnote that identifies Wilbur Mills was the head of the House Ways and Means Committee and one of the most important <laughs> men in Washington, and he was caught at the title basin with a stripper named Fanny Fox. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yes, yes. And, yeah, and whenever he would come out and say, Hi, this is Bob. I'm stuck on the base with... Uh, Corporal Stinkums, yeah. Hope, and 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 you hear all the all the all the guys, yeah, <laughs> and you're like, who is Corporal Stinkums? Yeah. You know, and I just made that up, of course. There, as far as I know, there was no Corporal Stinkums. I just, but but that that's one of the things is is like, it's it's alternately fascinating, but it makes it so that when you listen or watch, 
it requires possibly more effort than you want to put into something. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you unless you really want to. I mean, I have had certain things, books and, and TV shows and movies where I have put the effort in. But yeah. It's an idea. Oh, it's an idea. It's an yeah. idea. Yeah, it is. It is. So that's that's our backdoor pilot for the Hopecast. And um, next up, uh, we have The Packagers, which is the last episode of Search starring Mr. Bob Hope. I'm kidding. Starring Mr. Doug McClure. Listen to this. Scream, episode 13 of Kolchak, directed by Robert Shearer, written by Bill S. Ballinger and David Chase, January 17, 1975. A bunch of biologists and so, well, actually, an oil company has dug up some um, cell samples from deep in the permafrost in the Arctic, and due to a malfunctioning freezer, they develop into a I'm quoting here off of Wikipedia, thank you, savage prehistoric primate who goes cuckoo birds on everyone. And the episode is about Kolchak trying to find out what the heck this is, where the heck it came from, where the heck it might go to next. And, well, we're going to Jamie Farr's in it. That's fun. Uh, uh, Schneider's in it, huh? That's fun. So let's let's hop in. Let's hop in. Uh, Next up, this burst, then Tim S. Turner and myself. Primal Scream, everybody. Kolchak continues, and with me, as always, I have the great Tim S. Turner. Tim, how you doing? I, I'm doing great. I'm never, ever going to get over that wonderful introduction. <laughs> I um, I hope I, ha- I always have to remember. Uh, I, I I've added the claps to you. Yes. Name. So um, and I always forget if I put those between the S and the Turner or after. <laughs> so they're going to be varied when I. I'm hoping I think... by the last episode that you do it between like each letter. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Maybe I could do. Get, I could record some sort of a cheerleader style chant. That would <laughs> Give, be me great. Give me a T. Give me a T. So, so let's let's dive in. Um, what what are your thoughts on episode? What episode is it? Thirteen of Kolchak Primal Scream. Well, hmm. this is one of those ones that um, when I would go back and rewatch, uh, I would always skip it. Mm. Uh, it just uh, my memory of it was like, yeah, you know, uh, and, and so I rewatched it finally today and I, I still kind of feel that way. Uh, <laughs> it feels very uh, I don't know, like there's not a lot going on here. There, there kind of isn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and they kind of come out with like, oh, 
at one point they surprise you a little bit. I know I'm jumping ahead, but it's like, uh, oh, there's more than one mm. um, of these eight men. I, I assume they're supposed to be like Cro-Magnon or, yeah. or something, primeval mm-hmm. man or whatever. I don't know. Um, and it it just it just kind of feels like it's just kind of running in place, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's not a terrible episode, but it's just not that exciting either. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I, it was funny. I I, I same thing um, here when I would approach this one. Uh, I mm, uh, I don't know, but I will say this. I, I, I must have been in the right mood because when I watched this last night, I, you're right, not a lot happens. Yeah. Um, it's mostly Kolchak going, talking to this person, talking to that person, talking to this person, and occasionally the ape man leaps through a window. That's that's about it. Yeah, but, it's really but, brief. All the times we see the ape man, yeah. it's just like, boom, it's over. You know, he looks, like, what? There's not he, much menace from the ape man. Let's just put he, it that way. He looks like the hairier version of the Bigfoot from Night of the Demon, the 1979, 1980 <laughs> Bigfoot movie. See, I he, thought I was going to say it was it was uh, you know Shaka from uh, Land of the Lost, his older oh, sure, brother yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, but I, I will say this: when I watched it yesterday, I got to the end and I thought, you know, I quite enjoyed that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't recommend it as a you know a first watch um, for Kolchak, but there was something about like when he has the conversation with um, what is his uh, Kitzmiller, the uh, marketing guy, and the um, uh, yes Schneider. Schneider, yeah, basically Schneider. Um, <laughs> and when he goes to talk to the woman in the um, in the the hospital bed, and all his shenanigans, like um, in the wheelchair, and his the I thought the very funny conversation with Jamie Farr. And sure. I and I just for for some reason even though the the monster portion felt woefully underdeveloped until the last five minutes I think the the sequence in like the sewer or wherever the heck he was where he's throwing the flares to light up the space in front of him I I quite like that scene oh I thought that was really well done the way everything was red yes um, that, that was really... I, I thought that was very suspenseful and and and. Uh, really well shot mm-hmm. although that whole thing at the end when the cops show up what was the deal with that slow-mo I don't know what that was I, I actually was thought odd. something I thought something went wrong with my blu-ray so did I I was, was. kind of yeah. like is it skipping or freezing or whatever a... and what was the eight was the ape guy trying to strangle Carl what was going on it just kind of I... like went up to him and he's Carl screaming and then you see the... Maybe he was humping him or something like, I on his know. leg. <laughs> and then you see the cops, you know, just kind of like standing slow, there. Yeah. Oh, no, they're in slow-mo. Well, what are they doing? Yeah. They're yeah, just it's... watching it molest him for like 30 seconds. Yeah. No, it's it, 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 because the the moment he's like talking to the ape man and saying friend, friend, and the ape man is kind of seems to be understanding. You yeah. know they're going to come around the corner. Oh sure, you, you know that, which is too bad, and that that disappoints me. But I do like Carl's final chat where he's kind of sitting with almost one foot dangling in like the sewer water, whatever the hell it is, yeah. talking to this tape recorder. That that was that was kind of a, a a nice ending. But it's just it's just I. Like a lot of the stuff with the eight man, they, they it it doesn't fully seem thought out, you know. It's like we've got Carl, we got this cool set, and we're gonna have it's all gonna be lit with flares that Carl throws ahead of him. That's really cool. And then when he encounters the ape, he's gonna try to he's gonna be the first one who can maybe talk to him. And then oh, then what's gonna happen? Um, the cops will show up in slow mo. 
love it. <laughs> okay. It's almost like the end of Friday the 13th Part 2 when Jason jumps through the window in slow-mo. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Ginny's being loaded into the ambulance. And you're like, wait, what just happened? Wait, yeah. is there, was there, did I miss, did, did, did I, I, did I miss something there? What happened I, to Peter? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What happened to Peter? Let's talk I mean, about that. I, I, rem- I remember, I do remember reading originally though, that the original plan uh, was that it, the, the, the next one might follow Ginny like to the hospital or something right. with Jason coming after her. And that might've explained it. Um, but yeah, that's that's this way the the ending of this one sort of is, where it's like it is really creepy. It's nicely done. The moment when he throws the flare, it hits the ground, and you see the body of the woman. Right. It's like oh wow, that's um that's a little dark. <laughs> that's 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 um, uh but but it is the very end moment. He's, like I said, his speech is I like, but the very end climactic moment is very much a Friday the Thirteenth Part Two style ending where you go what. And you think maybe, I mean, the way they talk about it, if there had been more seasons of this, we might have seen the, I mean, this is the time, this is right, you know, Planet of the Apes movies are done, but the series just aired a year before, I think. But, um, you know, maybe there could have been, you know, the ape man might have returned in a later season or something like that. Yeah, because he's not killed, he's just taken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So let me ask you, one of the things that I did like early on that I thought was very creepy was it every time there'd be a dead body, it'd be like, Oh, they're missing an arm. It was torn off. Yes. And they're yes. missing a leg. It was trying. What was the point of that? Because they, they said, Oh, well, where's the arm? Oh, well, we mm. don't know. So oh. were they eating it? I mean, wh- what Possibly. was this, the deal with them tearing off limbs with, you know, they obviously took them with them. Yeah. So I mean, Why? They don't explain that. No, no. My my thought possibly was eating them, I th- but yeah, they don't. I they they don't explain. It, but they, yeah, but they they don't explain it. Unfortunately, um, I just thought maybe it was it was it it had been in that that um, freezer for a week or something and was going crazy and just ripped an arm off and enjoyed lunch. <laughs> I, yeah, it's it is weird because they make such a big deal of that in the beginning, but then at the end, that's that's one of the tricky things with the episode is I think I think there's enough. Uh, I mean, it's it's definitely not. I wouldn't say it's top top tier uh, cold check in any way, but I, I I like I said, I really quite enjoyed it. But the the more you look at it, the more there are little moments where you're like, hmm. Did they they left something out there? Something's not quite right there. I mean, the 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 premise. All I kept thinking of was what the early X Files episode Ice. Yeah, yeah, yeah it reminded w- me of an X Files episode actually. Mm-hmm. And 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 even in the end, we're like, um, you know, right when it looks like Kolchak's going to make contact with this thing, the authorities show up and take it away and leave him just sitting there. Yeah, is 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 very um, and and you know, and he's not like he, they don't chastise him or anything. You don't you don't hear like Vincenzo going, Carl, what did you do? They just take it and leave, and he's just sitting there. And so, which which is which is uh, very X Files to me. And I am wondering yeah, if if this if this was like one that was in Chris Carter's memory, the one with the ape man and the um the core samples that had the cells from billions of years ago, or whatever it was, hundreds of hundreds of cabillion years ago. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, yeah, I, I just it felt to me like one of those episodes, and I like I think we, you know, had one of those before, like with the the uh, 
the aliens episode where oh, yes, it's yes. just like uh well we've got to got to save money or the energy eater that's another one yes, yes. and we have this costume like uh, whether it's from you know uh yeah, <laughs> like, Trog except, or, like Trog yeah, or, some, yeah. or Land of the Lost or something <laughs> yeah, we'll just yeah. use this mm-hmm. and just don't show it a lot cuz it doesn't yes. look great yeah it's uh, <laughs> yeah no it's 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 a weird episode where where um um yeah i just for some reason, I, I think I'm, I'm wondering, like, if I had watched this, if I watched this in a week, would I have gone, mm, "Yeah, I see exactly what Tim was saying." But right now, I don't love it, but I really quite enjoyed it. Yeah, and and I, I think I think you're right though. It's like the the, the one th- one thing I think they're getting better at as the show goes along are all the little vignettes with the people he talks to. They're kind of getting funnier and snappier. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think the writing for for that, and this is written by David Chase. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think I, I'm sure there was a lot of collaboration with McGavin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he really he's made Kolchak his own by this point. Yes. And so for him, it feels like he's you know putting on old slippers and yeah, you know just sinking into the character. And when he when he interacts with these people, you know you're gonna get you know, Carl's gonna be either charming. Or he's going to be, you know, a weasel, depending yes. on the person. Yeah. You know, yeah. if it's a nice person like like Miss Emily or something, he's going to mm-hmm. try and be charming, and you know, he's always going to lie because that's what he does. Yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> but or if it's you know like our, our captain in this John Marley, which boy, mm-hmm. that's an interesting cast. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, then he's going to be much more of a weasel, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, he he really. It really pisses Marley off in this. He does. He uh, does. It, like Marley takes his camera and steps on it. Yeah. Um, and then and yeah. then uh and then uh, Carl sneaks into his office and grabs some stuff and yeah. then gets searched by him he on the way first, out. Yeah. And, yeah. And I, I like the. I, I I think I think too. One thing that's happening as the show goes along is the moments like when the cops, you know, it's like get out of here, or like when he gets thrown out of a hospital room. Um, they they don't. Like early on when that would happen, I think, oh, I'm sorry, Carl. Oh, that stinks that that happened to you. But now I'm not enjoying watching him getting thrown out of places. But they're doing it in such a way now where um, you, you see all the different sides of Carl and what he has to do to get the information. And you're like, oh, well, we know he's going to get thrown out of there. We know something's going to happen. And I, I'm, <laughs> feeling, I'm feeling better about them than I was. I don't mind him getting, like, like when he's talking to uh, Helen Lynch, which is my aunt's name, um, uh, the the doc, Dr. Helen Lynch, my, my, my aunt isn't a doctor, she worked at an air conditioning company all her life, um, uh, she, um, uh, and, and he gets thrown out of there, you know, it isn't like, oh, darn it, and like the wheelchair, when he gets up and runs out of the yeah. wheelchair, <laughs> you know, there, there's, some, there's something about it where um, I think I've gotten used to him that happening uh, to him, stuff like that happening to him. Whereas early on, it, it, maybe because they were so like rough to him in Night Stalker, that <laughs> uh, when this show started, I was like, I, I don't, I don't want to see him. I don't need to see those scenes. But now I don't mind them. They're kind of fun, and they, they, you know, they're all part of it. We know Carl's going to do what he has to do. Everyone else is going to do what they have to do, and we're going to go from there. <laughs> I, I okay. I, I think. I think you're right about the fact that with this episode, I, the, the things that work are more like the little vignettes. Uh, mm-hmm. and, like, first of all, I mean, you've got, okay, Jamie Farr playing Jack Burton. 
which I saw that in the credits and I laughed hard. <laughs> I, I was like, could you could you come up? Uh, you know, next next to like Wally Cox, could you come up to somebody who's less likely to be Jack Burton? But um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you know, they've got Jamie Farr and he's got this gigantic bow tie, and uh, he's of course our our guy that tells Carl all about you know primeval man and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know all that stuff, and that's fun. Um, and then, of course, we've got the great scene after the Herb Tarlick lookalike gets thrown around the room. Yeah. Um, and uh, who is it? It's it's Mrs. Kravitz. Yes. You know, and playing the same character basically. Yeah. I, I half expect you to go, Abner, come look. Yeah. You know, look at the ape man. <laughs> And it, 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 it was. I told you to put in this kind of windows, but do you listen to me, Mister Hilton? No, no. you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and I, here's a. This is kind of cool. I noticed, and I look. I had to look it up because I wasn't sure. But there's in uh, this lab, one of the lab scenes early on, uh, Creed Bratton from The Office. Really? That's a very, very young man. Oh, wow. Okay, yes. i got to watch that again. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. Well, there's something to look for, everyone. Wow. And, uh, and then the guy, the truck driver who gets his arm or his leg ripped off. Mm-hmm. The char- oh, that's a scene, yeah. That's, yeah, the character's it. name is William Pratt. <laughs> no, oh, wow. Yeah. So huh. somebody obviously yeah. is a Boris Karloff fan. Yes, yeah. Writing, wow. I guess, David Chase probably. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. But, I do like uh, that scene with the with the in the meat truck. Yes. When when the guy goes into the meat truck and then the camera cuts to outside and the the edge of the truck is on the left hand of the fr- side of the frame mm-hmm. and there's a window on the right hand side and you go three two one and the stuntman flies Smash. through the air and goes it's really nicely done it's a really great <laughs> it's it's a kind of over the top fun stunt yeah, yeah it. it, it it, it's an okay episode. It's just it's just not great. I don't mind the little bits with the different people that Carl interviews, and uh, it uh, you get some decent stuff too with with uh, with Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of kind of um, uh, Tony kind of making fun of Carl a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, but you know it's it, I I do think it's not. Uh, a top tier episode. Sure, uh, sure. Although you do get this this odd moment, probably the only time that you get any camaraderie between Carl and uh, Ron Updike, oh, is when yeah. Ron tells this long yes. story <laughs> that ends up being like what? <laughs> what uh, yeah, I think it was Tony calls it Abbott and Costello joke. Yeah, yeah Abbott and Costello, nineteen forty six. Yes. <laughs> It's something like a, a gibbon escape from a truck and two tigers and two leopards yeah. and uh, one pie cost and a what? What's a pie cost? Eighty five cents. <laughs> and, and then like you see when he does it, Carl's like actually and Carl's laughing, laughing. like that. Like yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, that's. I, th- I think it's such a weird episode because the uh, the uh, uh, the the the, the it's it's funny because like like they seem to have forgotten like it feels like they wrote a draft filled with just great character scenes and then someone said ooh we forgot to put the monster in <laughs> and then they kind of and, and 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 but it's almost like they have a, I'm wondering if almost like the way it was like originally like some cells 
that began to, when the thing thought out, began to come to life. I wonder if there was something else they had planned. Like, why is it called Primal Scream? Did you, did I, did I miss that? I bet I did. Yeah, I, no, honestly, I, I think they just think, oh, that sounds caveman-y. Yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Caveman-y. I would have watched that. Sounds like a Sherwood Schwartz uh, Saturday morning show. (laughs) Caveman-y. Oi, what are you going to do? I'm caveman-y. Come on down. Come on, visit my cave. Irwin is caveman-y. This fall, NBC. Uh, With Bob Denver as that guy. (laughs) Who cares? Do you care? Do you care what his name is? We'll just call him Denver. Um, um, uh, That's kind of the thing I'm wondering with, like, the title... And the fact that they were like originally like small cells, I'm wondering if maybe the original was something different, maybe like a virus or or, or something like that that they just couldn't pull off, get to work. And so they yeah. said, "Well, we got this ape suit. Okay, let's do that. Let's do the apes instead." Because it really is weird, folks. When you watch it, you'll sort of you'll sort of see that there's a Carl does a lot of investigating, talks with a lot of people. There are a lot of fun scenes. Um, with the investigation, I was I, I always love I forget the actress's name, but the secretary, oh, the yeah, redhead, the, the yeah, the gorgeous redhead there who's yeah. really tall, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you 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 all, you all will know her when you see her. I I see her in um, she's in the the Ellery Queen episode with George where George Burns gets killed. Um, oh. I forget the, I forget the name of the episode. It's the one where there, there's it's it's all around um, a burlesque show. Mm-hmm. And she <clears throat> plays the head burlesque gal, and she's she's um she's lovely. Yeah, I, I, I always that. remember her from Identity Crisis on Columbo with Columbo. Yeah, yeah, where she's McGowan. like the photographer or yeah. something like that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, okay. Because mm-hmm. yeah, it's a scene the way they, the way the director set the scene up. Um, and I, I, well, it's McGowan. McGowan directed mm. it. Uh, the camera is like right. And I, I hate to be that guy. It's right at chest level. Yes. And you've got Falk <laughs> looking up at her. And it's it's hysterically framed where you're like, oh oh dear. What? <laughs> yes yes oh boy. Oh boy. I shouldn't I shouldn't be watching this. Yeah yeah. The uh, but she she's great in the scene and and when she's on the phone with someone and Carl like is looking over her shoulder. Uh, kind of making a bunch of faces yeah. and, and acting goofy and stopping for a moment. I think he smells her hair for a moment. I'm sure she. I'm sure her hair smells fantastic. Oh, he totally um, invades her personal space. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, what? Well, that's great. I will say there, the um, when when the the, the eight man attack scenes and there aren't there aren't many of them are 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 fine, but that that final scene in the sewer or whatever the heck it is is great. And the scene and and this is really cool where Carl pulls into an alleyway after the meat attack. He pulls in the alleyway, and the camera, handheld camera, is behind him. He gets out of the car. The camera stands up with him, begins to follow him, and you see all these cars and all these cops standing around, and Carl begins to walk, and something way in the background of the shot begins to move quickly towards us. Yeah. And you realize after a few seconds it's the eight man and he's running right at Carl. And it's all done in one shot. And like and, and like even when the eight man runs by, that shot continues. And it's actually it's it's that's actually a really nice moment. Uh, I, I think it's a really um I I don't know if it's scary, but it's an it's <laughs> it's an exciting moment because the eight man sort of comes out of nowhere. You know, it isn't like everyone's like assembled like after the Ripper or or um 
uh, Skorzeny, you know, or someone like that. It's just like Kolchak begins to walk. There are all these cops and people standing around. Then all of a sudden, this thing begins to run towards me. Like, oh crap, it's the ape guy! And it's 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 um it's a really nicely done shot and one that that probably wasn't easy because I think this is before Steadicam. Oh yeah, and yeah. and so because Steadicam. Steadicam was invented, I think, for Rocky, but there's no way a TV show no. um, would would have would have had it at this time. I, I, I do, I do. Here's here's a bit of trivia. Um, the first, what was the first British show to use a Steadicam? Um, oh God, uh, it's not Doctor Who, is it? It is Doctor Who. Oh. De- Destiny of the Daleks from 1979. Wow, the, um, very good. The, the BBC was offered the use of a Steadicam, and <clears throat> there was a time throughout the 70s and even into the 80s when when the BBC was offered something new, they let the people at Doctor Who use it first, <laughs> uh, just to try it out. So in the story, Destiny of the Dialects, season 17, Fourth Doctor, Second Romana, um, I don't think K-9's, it, K-9's there, but he's not in the story, and they land on a very suspicious-looking planet with dialects on it. And throughout the episode... You, whenever they're out on location, the camera is just like flowing along gorgeously, and you're thinking, I, I like Destiny of the Daleks, but boy, I wish this had been a better story they were able to use this on, because Destiny of the Daleks is no classic, but it's fun. But whenever they're on location, it's all steady cam. Um, and there's like a, there's a sequence where they put Romana in like this big tube in the middle of like this quarry, and the doctor's trying to get her out of there, and the camera's like just going around and around. It's really cool. Uh, it, <clears throat> this is probably, I guess, I would think this about the same time that uh, Kubrick was using it for The Shining, right? Because that was shooting in 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 London at the time, I, yeah, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been. I think. I think what I, what I remember is that the city cam was invented for the. Rocky's run in Rocky when he goes up the steps, right, and the camera glides along with him. That's what that's when it was invented, and and after that it sort of took off. But um, but you can see the early way they used to do it uh, with some poor guy with a huge camera on his shoulder, <laughs> doing his best not to fall over and follow Carl as an ape man rushes at him. But uh, it is an it is a nice scene. So so I guess so I guess in the end, um, do you have anything else on this one? By the way, uh, no. You know the thing is with uh, I was going to say again about John Marley. Uh, really mm-hmm. interesting to bring him in. You know after Godfather and uh, I'm oh, yes, yes. I'm not used to seeing him on American television. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if maybe he was friends with McGavin or something. Uh, but he, he does have like a, a a decent scene with with, uh, with Carl when you know and Carl's in that the the freezer that the uh, yes oh that's a funny yeah <laughs> the creature escaped from and he's like oh it stinks in here and he's and, and Marley's like maybe it's your shirt <laughs> and Carl's like no maybe it's your jokes it, was, yeah. <laughs> it, it is very it is very nicely done because there's um uh there's a the pause Carl gives it mm. maybe it's your undershirt. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's your jokes. It's, it's nice. But yeah, um, I, it was. It, I, I just found it weird to see Marley on an American TV yes. show at the time. Um, yeah. Although he did go on to basically kind of almost play the same Godfather role on an episode of SCTV. So. Oh yeah, that's right. In yeah, the eighties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. 
That was a good episode, yeah. It was. That um, was the whole Godfather. The Godfather one, yeah. That yeah. <laughs> was a good one. I, I'd like to watch that now. Um, uh, so, so if you don't have anything else, do you? I don't think so. I think I don't think so either. I think I got everything here. Um, um, <clears throat> yeah, p- part of what's odd, odd too is is you you also mentioned the um, the the fact of ripping off the limbs and stuff. Yeah. But there's also Carl talks about the atom bomb a lot. Yeah. And it I get I think I get where he's going, but I, it doesn't tie in in any fashion with the ape. The ape man wasn't born of the atom. It's a, it's a, it's an old it's a million year old cell that that comes it, it and he brings that up like in the beginning and I think he may bring it up again in the end but I know he definitely brings it up in the beginning when you hear it you think okay this is going to be something atom bomb related no not at all yeah I, so, I think that goes along with your theory that that maybe at the beginning they weren't quite sure where they were going to go like yeah what the monster was going to be yeah. or what it was what it was going to happen because he does yeah, talk a lot about the atomic bomb. Uh, in the first third of the episode, and then it just yes. kind of just goes away. It goes away, yeah. And and like looking at the title, Primal Scream, I'm wondering if because whenever I see the title, well, it's not going to happen now. But pri- prior to this, whenever I saw the title, Primal Scream, I always think it's a different episode. I don't know what episode I think it is. Maybe but uh, the I, century. Possibly, possibly. Um, but I always think it's it's going to um, um, have something to do with primal screams and um you know it really doesn't and so it's 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 odd it really I, i'd love to know more about and i'm sure there's a book out there i could read rather than <laughs> just saying i'd love to know more about i i'd love to it, it it really does feel like it was like maybe it was written in one way and then they had to rewrite it hastily to fit in the eight man but they didn't fully rewrite it so there are bits that seem to be off or wrong or aren't explained fully or are they talk about and then fade away that's how it feels like to me and the fact that i watched it and enjoyed it means that um someone did something right but the fact that um you watched and didn't enjoy it that much means something's wrong in there <laughs> so so you know so but it's i mean it's a i think i mean if yeah don't i i say if, if you sit down if, if, if ladies and gentlemen if you're sitting down for the first time to watch the show um, we've already ruined all of it, but this one is more about the little details than the um, than like it's not building to a huge climax. It was well, this was more about the details. So and we we didn't ruin those for you. You're still gonna you're still gonna enjoy those. So I don't yeah. When when you get to this one, um, give it a try. See, I, I team Tim or team Dan. I don't know. It's up to you. <laughs> well, so, you know, I I think. Um... I, I don't dislike it. I, the one that I really mm-hmm. disliked was the energy eater. I, I oh yeah, sure. You know, yeah. I, I just think it's 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 just a middling episode. And if you're yeah. going to introduce somebody to Kolshak, this is not the one to use. Yeah, no, no. There there are plenty of uh, there are plenty of others to use. I think, um, but this this has, I think I think what it is too is that. Whereas when the show started and we were introduced to all the people in and in the news at, at INS there, I, I thought, do we need all these characters? But now I've really grown to like them. Oh so, yeah. So 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 now it's like the scenes with them, and I actually have it as well as a Malaysian tiger and a pie cost. What's a pie cost? Eighty nine cents. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, and then he starts laughing, and then Carl starts laughing, <laughs> and Vincenzo's just pissed off. <laughs> 
Oh, that's a good scene. Okay, so 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 we're um we're we're one thumb up, one thumb down, whatever on this one. And um, I hope that's not copyright. Yeah, and I have to one that kind out. of sideways. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so Tim, where 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 can we find you online? What are you up to? What's happening? Uh, well, you can find me and my co-host Kelly Hogaboom on uh, hey. Beauty the Beast and the Bees on all your wonderful podcatchers out there. Uh, we're a genre film podcast, and uh, we're just going to be recording, uh, I think, next week. Uh, we're going to be reviewing the latest in the Scream series, and uh, I think Attack of the Crab Monsters, uh, oh. possibly. So... <laughs> That's, That's so what we've I, got I going on. Oh, I you know what? Attack of the Crab Monsters, yes, it has a ridiculous title. But if you don't I, I love that movie. I oh, just it's think one that, of you Kelly's favorite if not favorite movies. It's <laughs> the thing I the thing I absolutely adore about it is that and th- this was something I noticed the first time I saw it, I think a long time ago. And then when I bought the Blu-ray like a year or so ago and <clears throat> um I had read about it in the wonderful book keep watching the skies mm-hmm. um uh and and i i realized that the, the the great thing about it and i could edit this out if this is something you guys are going to say um because i don't want to i don't want to ruin anything <laughs> but is that when corman told i think it was charles griffith who wrote the script mm-hmm. when he told him to write the script he said i want something scary or just um, foreboding or something like ah, just something in every scene yeah and if you watch the movie that way and and you kind of watch it like it's, it's a fun movie it's a short movie it, it moves very quickly I think um, I mean it's not bullet paced you're not watching Avengers Endgame or Infinity War or something like that this is a 1950s sci-fi movie um, uh, but uh, if you watch it that way and looking for the bit of anxiety or fear or the scary moment in each scene, you can you pretty much you can see them. Some of them are real calm, you know, ones like very like you know I, I I'm not going to say any of them right now, but but some but but they're not always like ah someone jumping out in every scene. Yeah, but it's like you can see in every scene something happens. Sometimes little, sometimes big, like the giant crabs. But there just something happens in every scene that that's like wow the, he really I mean like I don't know if Charles Griffith had a graph or you know uh, <laughs> post-it notes well they didn't have those back then but you know like a you know white cards up on a on a on a on a board or something but it, the, the joy of the movie is like every scene gives you just a little something just a little touch there aren't wasted no, nothing's sort of wasted in it. Which I really like. Yeah, it, 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 uh, <laughs> um, it it's that uh, unusual combination of absolutely ridiculous and yet still <laughs> creepy and uh, fun because yeah. the whole thing of like, oh well, the crab if they they kill you and eat you or whatever, then they can like <laughs> use your voice to lure yes. other people. Yes, you know, which is just stupid, and it's, yet it's, it still the, the, works. It still works. I think. I think the sort of the way it does it, where like the first time it happens, it's just eerie, and you're like, before you know that the crabs are doing it, and you're like, it's just kind of eerie. Then when you see the crabs are doing it, it's one of those things where you're instantly like, okay, that's really goofy. Plus, that's also kind of scary as hell. 
that there are giant crabs. I don't want to, you know, uh, hear my dog barking from the uh, garage and think, oh, I locked George in the garage. I open up the garage and a gigantic pincer bursts me in half or something like that. Yeah. It, 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 is, it is ultimately like the... I, I'm not going to say dumb. <laughs> I'm going to say goofy. <laughs> goofy mixed with actual honest-to-goodness um, sort of uh, sense of fear and foreboding in it, Yeah, which I think works really well because it's like they just said, to hell with it. We're going to have the crabs do whatever they want. And it's just, it's just kind of crazy. But that's our crab chat. That's um, yeah. <laughs> crab chat. Crab chat with Dan and Tim. It's not that kind of, you leave it. Um, so uh, that, that was that was Primal Scream, everybody. I'm going to stop right here. And we're going to go on to, I think, uh, next up, uh, be Mr. Uh, Christopher and myself uh, chatting about some Battlestar Galactica. Here we go. Planet Zero, Episode 1, directed by Alan J. Levy, October 22nd, 1978. Uh, story by John Ireland Jr., hmm. televised by Donald Belisario, Glenn A. Larson, and Michael Sloan. Also, they brought the, the big guns in there to do this. Basically, in this one, there is a um, the fleet has to pass by a planet where the Cylons have a huge... Ice, a gun, a pulsar cannon, which is going to destroy the fleet. Um, so the Galactica sends an expedition of their officers mixed with a bunch of uh, convicts from, I think, another ship in the fleet to try to um, get into the fortress um, and destroy it. And all kinds of crazy stuff happens, which uh, Mr. Bly and I will talk about shortly. So let me give you a blast and we'll head right in. The Gun on Ice Planet Zero. Back to Galactica, and I'm here with the great, the mighty Chris Bly. Chris, how are you? Uh, pretty good, Dan. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm ready. we got another two-parter. Here, this is going to be big. This is going to be big! Yes, by your command. By your command. 350 centrons. Yes, you got it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, what? Uh, well, let's dive right in. What, what did you think of this one? Sure. Uh, I mean, for, for a part one, it was intriguing. I said, here's the funny thing, was that this came... A year or two before Empire Strikes Back, so oh, this was okay. so this was an interesting kind of precursor to what we would actually be going through in the opening moments of that movie. Funny enough, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're dealing with an ice planet, and then I could say this too. I said, when you see like the guest star look log on this one, it's kind of like uh, practically TV royalty. Yes, you know, before us, you know, and any kind of supporting. I mean, you had uh, Roy Finnis. Who, by the way, shares a birthday with me, April sixth. Hey. Oh, it's yeah, it's good to have David Vincent uh, aboard here. And then you have Richard Lynch, who's one of the best badasses you'll ever come across on the planet. He is, after all, the vampire. Yes. The vampire, yeah. 
And then you have uh, James Olsen, who is the sole canon guest star in this bunch. <laughs> he made it to two. And yeah, and tall dude. And also, the funny thing about him is that he's also, as we best would know, General, General Franklin Kirby from Commando. Good old Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm, yes, yes. And so he's in there. So it's like these are the criminals that get introduced to us to get this pulsar in, uh, situation handled. For, once again, it's another Cylon has another fortress on another planet, and they've yes. got a big weapon. So, yes. And it's the pulsar. Yes, the pulsar, just like the television. Yes. So it's, <laughs> the brand of TV comes into there, and it's a laser. It's a purple laser, mm. not a blue one, not a red one, a purple. Mm. So, and uh, – yeah, the funny thing is they're, they're scanning, too, is always like these rectangles, like, almost like you're watching like a television or something like that. Yes, up that's there. what I – yeah, oh. yep, yep. I was, I was going to say something similar. Yes, yes. Yeah, and then, but the, and then we have this other woman. I believe her name is uh, Christine Belford, I believe her name is. I think so, yes. Okay, so we have a significance to this. You did a commentary on a Blu-ray for a movie called Night Terror. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, what's significant about Christine Belford is that she is married – to Nick Pryor, who happened to be the drunkard that uh, oh, yes, is like for course. five seconds uh, saves uh, saves uh, mm-hmm. Valerie Harper only temporarily because guess what? Sad to say, spoilers. <laughs> he don't make it through this movie. He don't make it at all. Ouch. So, but she is married to Nick Pryor. Oh wow! Hey. Well, thank you, thank you. Um, I yeah, it's it's um, I think the first. Like fifteen minutes or so before the criminals show up, I think it's really, really good. Oh, it's um, it's, it's like it's waste no time. It jumps right into the action. Jumps right into it, and you and you get you get all the stuff with like they're they're going to have to go through this certain area of space. The Cylons are right behind them. They have to go through here. They're checking it out, and then they come across this laser gun shooting at them, which kills destroys two of the ships and and brings another one down. So and it becomes. Wait. We lo- we lose Bo, but Cree. Cree. Uh, we don't know. I said that the Cree. Cree. Yes, Cree uh, somehow makes it through, but he has like a crash landing that I best could say as well. It's rivaling Ice Station Zebra. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say it reminded me of I want to say Airport seventy nine, the Concorde. I think has a crash <laughs> on a on a in snow. I could be wrong on that, but I want to say one of the one of the places it lands is on snow, and it looks yeah, a lot was- like that. We're like yeah, it's. When, when John Davidson is on a plane in a hot tub, yes, <laughs> and and Charo shows up, uh, looks, sits in her seat, looks around, looks and at her evil little dog, Robert Wagner leaves. with the missiles, yes, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, but I th- I think for the first fifteen minutes, this this is excellent. It really has a has a has a pace to it and a movement to it. Um, I think it. Um, slips a little when it introduces the criminals because as much as I love all those actors. I wasn't convinced, apart from maybe a bit of Richard Lynch, I wasn't convinced that they were all that tough at all. They, no, they, they uh, almost. You know, it's, it's, we get the intro. You know, yeah, and it's. They, the, and the, well, yeah, he's also got a scar. Don't forget. So they almost want to call him Scarface. Yeah, yeah. They, um, they, they almost. I almost felt like. Um, I don't know. They were like the uh, like a, a dinner theater version of like I'm a prisoner on a chain gang, or they were gonna br- <laughs> they were gonna break into dance or something. Or like a I was of Alcatraz. You know yes, exactly. I, I was when I saw them, I was like, oh that guy, oh her, oh them, and they're like, 
yeah, I killed all these people. I'm an expert at demolition. I'm doing this. Yeah, he's my husband, and I hate him. Yeah. And I and thought chemicals and all this. Yes. <laughs> and I thought I don't I, know the combines that will solidify, solidify these people. Yes, and there were two problems I had. One, I didn't believe any of them, and two, um, this was the best that the Armada their computer could do was mm. picking. It, it seriously couldn't pick people who weren't hardened criminals who would well, betray each other in a moment's notice well, for something so important. People of the week and Randall Tex Cobb was not available. You know? Yes, <laughs> and it's it's and it's funny because when I saw the criminals, my first thought was, okay, this is going to lead somewhere. <laughs> I will say, by the time you get to the end of episode one, it leads nowhere. So presumably, <laughs> part two will have it lead somewhere because it feels like, okay, if they're hooking these two disparate groups up and they legitimately can't you know what I thought at first there's a scene where Starbuck goes into the computer room where they're choosing who um, is going to be on the team the one bean counter yes and he sends the one bean counter out of the room and then like a minute later you see him with the list that has all the criminals on it and my first thought was so he went in that room to put criminals on the list? <laughs> well, he is the computer man after all. You know, yeah. it's not, the pa- not the paper man. Yes, yes. Now, now you learn later on that he actually went to put himself on the list, not realizing that it was all <laughs> oh, going to be computers. But, but the reason – but the scenes are so close together. You see that and you think, really? And, and it's weird too because why wouldn't Starbuck be – in that group he's always in the group why would there need to be a scene where he has to fiddle with the computer he is the natural scoundrel after all he is he is and and so it's interesting because you they they get to the planet and again i love regardless of of what i think of the episode i think the that gun i just love that gun i just oh yeah i just it's like it's this huge ice planet with nothing on it but a gun on a mountain well, it's got, it's got like those three portals, you know, just like you, yeah. know, you feel like there's a chemical coming through there, and it's got the shockwaves that you think is going to awaken the Frankenstein monster. Yes, yes. and they have they have this. They're in on a the control room is a really cool set that they never sort of emphasize. No, it's it's just kind of like every time they show it, it's like, oh yeah, this is. Check this is our you know it's like this is my um swinging bachelor pad you know or something like this is my it's, corner fireplace door, you know? Door, door out you know it's almost kind of like the tank that Johnny Larue had on SCTV <laughs> yeah. is the one thing I can think of it's just like yeah it's like it's like we got to close it we got to smoke it and guess what we're gonna watch the Stooges in about five minutes and we're gonna go yeah. crazy if it's curly you know yes yeah there's a party in another tank somewhere down the down the, down the road there <laughs> yeah. and it's it's they got this great control and I love the I love the point too when they say something like um they say something like pump up the laser or something like that pump up the pulsar pump, pump up the pulsar and it's funny I I was saying. I was thinking because, folks, even though um, we're in we're in the the heart of February, as you're hearing this, we're recording this right after Halloween. And uh, every Halloween, I listen to a mid '70s album by a French band called, uh, named Pulsar, Ooh. and it's a it's an album called Halloween. Nice. And it's one continuous 40 minute long song that's like a lot of weird choral noises and choral sounds and singing and weird. Um, it's pre pre the movie Halloween, so it's very eerie and strange. And every time I heard Pulsar, I thought I need to listen to that album again. I kind of think of the television brand also too. I, oh uh, sure, yeah. yeah. No, that that was my second thought. I had them both <laughs> written here. Uh, Pulsar French band or TV? Mm. You decide. Um, yes, please. And and so it's it's an interesting episode because they they land on the planet, and you think, okay, so we haven't really 
done too much yet with the criminals, but we got a lot of time. And then what's his name and what's his name's dog show up? Yeah, well, it's funny because Boxy and um, Muffet Daggett. show up. Well, here's yeah. the thing. Well, Daggett showed up. Oh, he's a Muffet. You know, and and, Daggett, and uh, yeah, Muffet shows up. Now, here's the thing was that we were talking about how the guy, you wish the guy had put his name on the list. I said, well, yes. somebody else kind of invited themselves. It was two things, and it turned out to be Boxy and Muffet basically invited yes. themselves on the ship sneaking in there. I guess they, they I guess uh, they uh, ahead of time foresaw domestic disturbance and decided to be in back of the car, <laughs> not knowing yes. uh, if uh, John Travolta was all or Vince uh, <laughs> was all that he said he was going to be or not, you know, so it's... It, and it's, it's and, and the moment they show up, I thought okay, this is a few too many people now, <laughs> And then five minutes later, they're in a huge cave filled with hundreds of clones. Yeah, too many clones. Oh, that's the other thing. Where we get to the guest stars yet? Now, here's the funny thing: was that uh, Muffet seems to have good sensors, as we start yes. to learn, and somehow Muffet knows how to survive in this weather. I guess it is kind of a cold water thing. And this is one of the few ones that we actually see him kind of communicating, like talking, even with his little, like you know, uh, robotic bark of sorts. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 interesting because the the as the episode I think the first third is excellent. The second third I was a little iffy on, and then the third third I thought there are too many characters, there are too many things happening, and and then luckily it ends with a possibly superfluous but much calmer scene with Baldar sitting with his legs. Splayed. Well, that's in that's the interesting thing is we see the credits, but then we also have to say like, okay, this person's not on, this person's yes. not on, and God knows how many times Jolly gets credited, yeah, and yeah. we don't see Jolly. You know, well, mm-hmm. that'll change uh, sometime yes. in the future. We can't say when, but you know. Uh, but the funny thing about it too is that. Um, Watching all that, and then we get you know, introduced to the clones. And I said, the funny thing about this bit actor, as I looked at him, long hair, beard. I mean, kind of mm. got a grizzly Adams thing going there. But bit, yeah. I looked really close, and I said, you know, this looks like if Clint Eastwood took on the grizzly Adams role. I think we ah. talk about a clone. I said, I said, I looked at the bone <laughs> structure, and maybe uh-huh. not the voice, but I said, I'm looking there. I'm saying, like, you know, this guy looks a hell of a lot like Clint if you really shaved off yes. his, everything on, on him. I said, like, damn mm-hmm. it, you never come across a, a Clint Eastwood lookalike, you know, somewhere yeah. like that. But this one, I said, came awfully close, I mean, from the face. So, yeah. And we can't forget about clones without yeah. mentioning the great Britt Eklund. Yay! It was nice to see her. I'm, I'm glad she was the lady clone because that, that guy... Um, his, I mean, I could seem like if 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 this were like Galactica 1980 and he were on it, he'd be like one of a series of clones with like uh you know a van creeping around schools or something <laughs> or, like that. Or, you know, or he, like he, he the bad Shelley Berman mask like they tried to do on the Twilight. On the, ma- on the twi- yeah, yeah, the masks. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. That's um, but but it's so great when she shows up. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. Uh, I, I do like her, and I'm convinced. I'm convinced, whatever she's up to. Yeah, because we're not sure, and we go like, wait a minute, did did uh, did she decide to do her hair differently or something like that? Yeah, and the weird part about it is that, and not only that, one thing we could say about Britt Eklund, uh, she won the heart of Peter Sellers and was so lovely yes. that she had a song written about her by a good old Rod Stewart. So, yeah. Yes, yes, exactly. And not so many she, could say that. <laughs> so no, no, no. So it's it's uh, for me, it's an interesting episode because I think it starts and I. Uh, we'll see when we get to the second episode, but I'm wondering if, in my heart, I would have. We'll we'll see in the second episode. I don't want to because I I just think when I got to the end of this, would this have been better if it were just one part, and it were structured more like a Mission Impossible, 
where like mm-hmm. Boomer, Starbuck, and Apollo were sent down to kind of break in and destroy the 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 gun without introducing <laughs> half a dozen criminals, bringing that little kid and his dog along, and having like a hundred clones. Well, you could have also had a situation where you could have had Andama or somebody from the group that kind of could have been like the Jim Phelps where they sit down yeah. they open up the dossier and you see like the picture and it'd be like special guest star Roy Thittis special yes. guest star and it's like oh yeah we need this expert we need this. and all of them have an expertise that they mm-hmm. find is going to be useful on this planet I mean you get yeah. the one that's got like Arctic survival uh, yeah evolution mm-hmm. and, and of course I have to say too uh, once again I always talk about the unique voice of Lord Greed yes. well the funny thing about this is that he has a great it's like, maneuver you know like it's <laughs> maneuver you know like it's, so he just has the, like I said he has this way of speaking that I mm-hmm. just have to say this is why you have Lord Greed on this show other yes. than giving a picture there for Alpo yeah, <laughs> and, and God knows if Buffett's gonna eat it you know but it's like but <laughs> But at Even the same time, I said, you know, I said, but, he, but yeah, but it's just one of those things where I could just see him like, gentlemen, you've been chosen from our thing. Should you decide to accept it? I mean, you could structure this easily as a Mission Impossible. I was like, well, if that's the case, how do we fit Leonard Nimoy into the picture? Yes. <laughs> just for the hell of it. Throw him in as Paris, disguised as one of these yeah. things. We throw in Linda Day, too, and I'd, I'd oh, be happy. Yeah. Watch, um, out if, watch out if she yells bastard, you know. <laughs> bastard! I I mean, I would have even taken it as a two-parter if they'd done that thing that that Laverne and Shirley episode did where they send the letter to their boss bad-mouthing him and they have to and, and they try to get it off his desk before he leaves his office, but they can't. And so the first episode, the first part is them doing this very... I, you, you've probably seen it, but I'm saying this for the um, for everyone else. Is this very uh, exact, like, Mission Impossible style thing where, like, you can't touch the floor and they're electric eyes and they're sneaking in through vents and they get the letter out and then they destroy it and then just when you think it's all over, it cuts back to them sitting in the apartment and Laverne says, all right, that's how it's going to go down. Let's go. And then it says to be continued. And then the mm. second episode is them doing that, but getting everything wrong. And then what was it also, but it also could be, if it was in a modern day, it would be to unsend the email. Yes, then, exactly. Something like just that. one of those things where it's just like, okay, I think that's over. And then you see Outbox. It said, it was like, oh no. Zoom in. Hello. But I, proceeds from next week's episode. Yes. So, so this is, I mean, and even Adama has a bit where, like, when they bring the criminals on board, um, and and Apollo and, and them are like, uh, is this a good idea? We are all the same on this <laughs> ship. We're all we, running we. from the Cylons. And I thought, well, no, we're not all the same. Those are killers and thieves and, and people who blow things up and hurt people. We're not... We're not all the same. Don't do that. It's, it's weird because Adama sort of does one of those things where it's like he's so intent upon getting past this planet without them getting shot up that he seems to act a little odd. Yeah, yeah. and it, don't oh, forget, uh, is it if if don't evaporate or you'll incinerate or vice versa, as Boomer yes. would warn us here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, well, what else? What else do you have on this one? Because I, like like I said, the first third I really love, and I think it's a beautiful setup. I'm I'm wondering too, and we'll find out more next episode. But the fact that there are four writers involved, and, and, and being Donald Belisario, which by the way, you know, anytime you watch any of these episodes, isn't it amazing that they always what an episode that he's involved with they always mention quantums that's they do. for him of course yeah of course you know he's the guy who created quantum leap of course and yeah. so 
So the funny thing is that you know you knew that Quantum was somewhere on his head in almost anything <laughs> that he's written. So yeah, and it's 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 him and Mike Sloan who wrote a lot of or wrote and co-wrote a lot of BJ and the Bears, yeah. which actually this <laughs> this is around the time when uh oh or this is around the time of the first uh, the TV movie. Yes, was premiering. So it, it, um, the, the more serious one before they uh, lightened everything up there. Yes, yes where, where Lobo actually had like the white slavery ring. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah and and the other and of course Glenn A. Larson is the third writer, and then it's story by John Ireland Jr. Oh uh, yes, really? He, he, is he a native? Yes. It's, 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 <laughs> and, well, that's the other uh, thing too is that I noticed too when they say like we're like the slave race there, and mm-hmm. I said I couldn't help but think replicant. This was kind of like foreseeing oh, yeah. Blade Runner, if you think about yeah. it, you know, because you know it's like it's like it's, they go like, oh well, we can't do this, we can't do that. And I always say, when, you, uh, when every time I say, well, isn't it significant that they had a four-year lifespan because they can't make anymore? That's why they're called replicant. You know, it's like, hey, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. Um, Oh, and, so we do we get to so as we get to the end, uh-huh. uh, as we mentioned, I said you know we heard a little bit of communication from um, from Muffet, but then one of those almost gets the attention of a Cylon, and you go like, oh, oh no, it's like tag it, please, Muffet, please be quiet. It's like all of a sudden, yeah, just a little something comes out, and then it's and then of course at the end, it's like soon, Adama, soon. Of course, you're going to get the meeting between uh, Lucifer and Malthar. And Lucifer is, is seem, seeming more um, sarcastic than ever. Well, when you have a voice with, by Jonathan Harris. Yes, exactly. not, How can you not? not? Every sentence is, yes. And that's the interesting thing is they don't credit Jonathan Harris on these things. And mm-hmm. I don't know why that was if that's he odd, yeah. was meant mm-hmm. to not be known. I mean, come on, because yeah. even on, on Lost in Space, he's always he was always the special guest star. Yes. Yeah, quote, unquote. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I don't know if, if, if when him and credits, uh, the relation was a problem here or something. You know? But but I but for me, I said it's a good part one. Yeah, and like it's, I said, it seemed you know, not to say it seemed a little redundant, but you kind of flowing into it. Said, okay, I'll, I'll go along with it. I don't know if I could get like some of the badassery. That's the other thing too is that you know when you see them get set up and get told you know what they were going to do, they go from scraggly, long hair, bearded to all of a sudden quick clean shaven. Yes. Mm-hmm. I want to see the spinoff of like you know the uh, the stylist and the barbers of the Galactica. <laughs> oh, uh, you know who do they have to bring in here in order to kind of like you know trim and kind of get the, uh, a blow dry and look. Yeah. What happens on that? So. I, I, yeah, I wonder if it's sort of more like a Jetsons kind of thing where you stick your head in a tube. You know, give me the number three. <laughs> I um prepare to dehydrate. Yes. <sighs> Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna scan my notes here because I I do I do like like I said I don't I don't dislike the episode but I I I do wonder if since there are all those writers I wonder if maybe say the um the uh the stuff with all the criminals maybe in an earlier draft yeah like the compromising meant, of the notes probably you know like it, the compromise of well well we have this all we have that and some things have to go and some things can't you know so something like that. Yeah, because it is it is strange to me that they would, in in a mission that's supposed to be so, um, we need to do it now. It has it needs to happen now. We need to take care. We know where the Galactica is going in this many centons, whatever. Regardless of what's going on, they stop to introduce like five or six characters who we don't really meet that well, and then introduce a cave of clones. Mm. And it's like is it, is there like were they all just like throwing? Did they have just like a wall with like clones? 
criminals, guns, and they were just throwing darts at the wall. Okay, clones in this one. Ooh, and criminals in this and one. And blasters awesome. and lawyers, guns, and money as well. Yeah, yes. Well, and here's, so, well, here's the other thing that's interesting and significant as to, you know, something that we'll get to at the very beginning of part two. But we noticed that the Cylons have these long lights. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it just so happens that as they're get, going through the world there, uh, the uh, male clone has a log light. So it kind of makes you wonder, mm. uh, what side are these guys actually on exactly? Ah, yes. You wonder? Yeah, because it's like, it's like cause, you know, I, I mean, like these lights don't exactly have firing mechanisms, but they're kind of like the, the log-ass flashlights. Yes. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it kind of makes you wonder, say like, okay, what alliance are they for? Or are they leading themselves into what we what Lord Greed best uh, pronounced as a crap? Oh, I mean, trap. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, here they are. I got them on the screen now. All the Cylons walking around, Pulsar ready to fire. Pump it up! Uh, that's a fun set. That's almost that's almost like a fun um, sort of James Bond villain kind of set that they have the, the there. The lair, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what what else do you have on, on this one? I'm going to do a scan, but well, I think... I think we pretty much, you know, covered a lot of stuff. And it kind of ends on that, too. And it lands on Baltar and... Um, uh, Lucifer to be continued. Continue. So it ends on that because, like I said, we're not so sure about this. Uh, you know, at first, kind of Adama kind of throws. I was like, oh, the source ship is is never going to come to the air over. Here. And they go mm. like, uh oh, mm. he's setting up for an attack, another yes. attack against the Cylons and the Jets, and we are going to see on that by, and that's all going to happen on part two. Two of the ice gun in the snowy place. That's not what it's called. That's my new title for it because I forgot the title. Okay, so so that that was that was part one of that. So we so we're left hanging. Are they going to get caught by a Cylon? Um, is whatever it is Baldar has planned going to work, or is it going to fail, like it tends to do? Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. So uh, so Chris, where can uh, where can we find you online or anywhere? Where are uh, you? You can find me on Facebook and on Instagram. Facebook, I'm uh, facebook.com slash Captain Bly, where I have my projects of the Deep Dive TV Movie Picture Show and First View, my film um, review thing there. Or you can go on to Instagram and Twitter, where you can find me at Captain Bly 76, where every once in a while pictures pop up and every once in a while a live tweet with Turner Classic Movies. Excellent. Thank you so much, sir. And, uh, yeah, next time we're going to hit part two and see what happens. Uh, until then... Hey, that's the end of the episode, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, did you like that um, little Ellery Queen burst there? If you if you don't know what that little burst of music is that I play uh, throughout the episode like that, bah, bah, um, go back and listen. Listen to some past episodes if you haven't heard it. You'll, uh, you'll find out what it's from, and you'll really enjoy the talking, the chatting, the discussing of the episodes of The Thing that that pop-up is from. So, anyway, that's the end of this, and that was, um, wow, the next episode, we're finishing Search. We've been doing Search for about a year now. And not as long as Bourbon Street Beat, but, um, and not as long as uh, Green Hornet, but um, still a very long run. So next, yeah, next, next week, uh, next, next week, be back next week, because I won't be. You should be back in two weeks, because that's when I will be. Uh, Mitchell and I will be finishing up our discussion of Search. Battlestar Galactica will continue, as will Kolchak. And uh, where are we online? At E Supertrain 1, Twitter, Eventually Supertrain, Facebook, 
eventuallysupertrain.blogspot.com. You can email me at Danny, D-A-N-N-Y, Slacks, S-L-A-C-K-S, at yahoo.com. And that's uh, that's about it for this episode. And actually, that is it for this episode. Listen to this. I'll talk to you guys soon. You gals, too. And everyone else. Everyone in the world, I'll be talking to you in the next episode with some friends.